Arizona State football has been looking for some momentum as a program, and they might have found some in their spring showcase. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster, and, yes, big Marvel fan, as you're seeing here on YouTube. I'm going to see Doctor Strange tonight. Thanks for making Locked On Pack 12 your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up-to-date with the Conference of Champions. And those of you watching on YouTube already know this as well. I am joined by Richie Bradshaw. He is the host of Locked On Sun Devils Forks Up down there in Tempe. First time that uh, you and I have done an episode together. Certainly won't be the last because Arizona State, one of the members of the Pac-12, and we cover all of those schools here on Locked On Pac-12. Richie, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you so much for having me, Spencer. Always happy to come on here and talk about Arizona State when it comes to the Pac-12. And uh, just for the record, those of you watching on YouTube, this is a navy blue shirt and the light coming through my (laughs) window is making it look purple. Now that we got that out of the way, let's go to Arizona State's spring showcase off of an eight and five season in 2021, which they went eight and four. And then they were second in uh, the Pac-12 South. They lost their bowl game to Wisconsin, I believe it was, if memory serves. It seems like a lifetime ago because so much has happened since then. But you would be correct. Yeah, it kind of feels like a program that, you know, needs a little bit of momentum, right? Needs to start having things trend in a positive direction. But they had their spring showcase and they've got a quarterback battle going on. But uh, let's start right off the top with with the spring showcase, Richie. What, What were the biggest takeaways from what you saw on the field from the Sun Devils? I think one of the most unfortunate biggest takeaways is that there's not going to be much of a passing game this year. Now, Arizona State has lost a lot, particularly Ricky Pearsall decided to enter the uh, transfer portal just a couple weeks ago, and that's going to hit the program really, really hard. He was your leading receiver a year ago in receptions, yards, I don't believe touchdowns, but not 100% on that. Regardless, uh, losing Pearsall is huge because I had many a times joked that he was ASU's discount RC Cola version of Julian Edelman because he felt like a guy you could kind of do a little bit of everything with a little razzle dazzle, but you lost him. Uh, Johnny Wilson entered the transfer portal. Uh, Jordan Porter entered the transfer portal. Uh, there was another guy. I can't remember his name. So you've lost four guys. Uh, you did, you did gain a kid just a couple days ago in Cam Johnson from Vandy, but based off of what you saw in spring ball, the passing game is not going to be a strength for the team. The the one good news, though, is that the run game, which we're accustomed to seeing a very strong run game, should continue to be that way. Well, that's certainly a, a positive element of it. And when you're talking about the passing game, you have to, of course, mention that, that there's no Jaden Daniels there. And there's mm-hmm. a pretty open quarterback battle where nobody appears to have a, a huge lead but uh, let's talk about the guys who who threw the ball who were spinning it behind center for herm edwards and company in the spring showcase you know kind of go through each of those guys and what they showed well definitely paul tyson appeared to be the more confident passer tyson being that transfer from alabama that everybody is so in love with because of the lineage he is the 
grandson of the great Bear Bryant, and he was a four-star quarterback recruit for Alabama. So there's a lot to be enamored with. But this also reminds me of a very similar situation a few years back where ASU got another Alabama transfer in the form of five-star Blake Barnett, who didn't even get on the field. So it worries me that we're falling into the same trap. However, there's a lot to like with, with Tyson because he is a strong-armed quarterback and he's a guy who can make a lot of confident reads, but he is very inexperienced. He had, I think, 13 pass attempts in his career sitting behind Mac Jones and sitting behind, um, oh my goodness, just won the Heisman, uh, Bryce, 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 Young. Bryce thank Young. you, Bryce Young. <laughs> I was going to say Bryce Perkins is in former Arizona State quarterback, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, he, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He seemed to be the more confident passer, but there, there also is the, the factor of Trenton Bourget, who was the more, the more like scheme fit kind of guy for the team is he, he is a little bit more mobile than some of the other, some of the other options that we have there. So he, he definitely fits the mold of what we're more used to, but Tyson definitely seems to be the better passer. I know Dalen McLemore also had a pretty solid uh, spring camp. Finn Collins was a guy to keep an eye on. And then a few other guys, Mer uh, Meredith Bennett and Oliver Towns were also in competition during spring ball. So uh, how do you feel after, you know, having, having gotten a chance to see those guys for the first time, you know, the coaches get to see them basically every, every day in practice and such, but this was kind of your first look to compare them all. Uh, was there one who stood out in, in a significant way or were they all just kind of like, eh, like oh, this guy does this well that guy does that well and like this was okay but um it sounded like you, you were kind of the highest on tyson is that the case i think that would be the case so my thing is i don't i don't know how confident i am for 2022 but i am excited for the future especially if tyson is long term here i think that tyson does have the capability to grow into a very good quarterback the problem with Tyson is he, he's got cinder block feet. I mean, this guy does not move very well. So the silver lining is incoming, incoming. Oh my goodness. Sorry about my dog with her squeaky toy. Uh, <laughs> the, the incoming offensive coordinator that we have wants to switch to a more pro style offense and wants, wants to have more natural reads, which is something that Tyson could definitely fit the bill for. So Interested to see how he ends up uh, developing with ASU. 2022 makes me nervous, though, because there there is a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. And during spring ball, we didn't have word that Emory Jones was going to be coming to the program. So with what we had known at the time, there definitely was a lot more questions than there were answers that we got by the end of spring ball. And so and Emory Jones did come into to Arizona State, correct? He did, yes. So where do you think he fits into the quarterback room with, with the guys that – because he wasn't there for the spring showcase. That was a, a pretty recent development. Where do you think he can fit into that room? Because that's a guy who comes in with, with Power 5 starting experience, whereas Tyson comes in with Power 5 passing experience in a very limited capacity. Emory Jones is a guy who, who started and won games at Florida. Emory Jones is your quarterback one. To me, there's no like disputing that he comes in with the most experience. He has the most upside. Quite frankly, he reminds me a lot of what Jaden Daniels was. He is this guy who's 
maybe not the best passer in the world, but he's a playmaker, not only with his arm, but with his legs. He's exciting. He's electric. He's going to be one of those guys who is going to put heat in the seats. Like people are going to want to come and see Emory Jones because he played very well in the SEC. And as much as I love the Pac-12, we're definitely not quite at the competition level that the SEC is at. And I think that Emory could definitely come in and make a big impact right away for the Sun Devils. So to me, and, and the other thing I want to factor in real quick is Herm Edwards is in a is in a make or break year. He has got to win now or he's getting canned. Emory Jones gives him the absolute best case and best, best chance to win this year to save his job. I would like to make it very clear, by the way, here on the show. I want it on the record, out on YouTube and podcasts as well. We're free and available on all platforms, if you didn't know. We here at Locked On Pac-12 are very pro-dog. We, we are 100% pro-dog here on, on the show and support dogs uh, through and through. Let's move now to three players who, who probably earned some playing time in the spring showcase. And I think some fans look at the, these spring games and spring showcase and say, ah, it's just an opportunity for a third and fourth stringer to show something. But I think if you examine them over the years, there have been instances time and time again, really on a regular basis where guys show out who, you know, you maybe hadn't heard a ton from, but because they produce really well in that simulated game environment, they end up playing a more significant role in the team when, when the fall rolls around. Richard White leaves to go to the NFL. He's drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe he's in the third round, if, if yes, memory sir. serves. So uh, the Bucks got a really nice player there, and Sun Devil fans certainly know that. But now he leaves a void, right? Because that sort of production is not very easy to replace. Who are the sorts of guys or, or maybe one guy that, that could replace that production in the backfield? Well, we're definitely going to be looking towards Danny Nagata, the established guy and third-year player to essentially be the lead dog there. You did get a transfer coming in uh, from Wyoming named Zavian Valade, who we're excited about as potential like like overall replacement for Rashad White because of his prowess as a pass catcher and his ability to be a good in-between-the-tackles kind of runner. But there is one guy who did stand out to me in the form of Deontay Elliott. Now, Elliott coming into his sophomore year for Arizona State only had three carries for six yards last year, but he really stood out in spring ball. I thought he looked like a very confident runner and somebody who was definitely looking to make a name for himself this year. And quite frankly, I mean, obviously we're expecting Nagata and Valade to be the, the 1A, 1B to each other. But beyond him, there's going to be a lot of competition with you know, incoming freshman Tevin White coming in. I think that Deontay Elliott could definitely really boost himself this year and perhaps be like a, a more well-known commodity by the end of the season. And if the passing game is going to struggle as you expect that it might, then you might see a handful of running backs over the course of a game because you're trying yes. to find the hot hand. You you know, depending on uh, what, what schemes or what plays are working or how the defense is playing, like different guys might have the, the hot hand on any given night. So having a, a variety of options there, I think is a really, really good thing for, for Arizona state later in the show, we're going to get to Jermaine Lowell and that whole, it's, it's a weird, it is a weird situation in my view. And so we will most definitely get to that, but let's assume the worst comes to pass here and he ends up leaving the program. And so Arizona state is 
looking for for production on the defensive line. Who's somebody who could fill into that void, which they had to fill a season ago because he was out with an injury. Were there any guys on the defensive front who stood out in the spring showcase? Well, the good news is there seems to be a decent amount of defense of uh, D line depth. And one of the main guys that I'm looking at is Omar Norman Lott. Uh, BJ Green will be coming back. Those two are definitely showing some some ability from their from their freshman and sophomore or sophomore and freshman years, respectively. But look out for incoming defensive lineman uh, Dylan Hall. So uh, Dylan is a incoming transfer coming from a junior college, um, Antelope Valley, wherever that might be. I imagine that's probably somewhere in the Midwest. That sounds that sounds like a Midwest kind of school. But you know what? I'm going to look it up while you keep while you keep talking. All right, sounds good. So he's coming in. He seems he seems super excited for his opportunity. He definitely showed out, and uh, for especially for the for the situation like you mentioned with Lole is we don't know if he's coming back or not. In fact, he's got like a month booked out with visits that he posted on Twitter the other day. So we need to, like you said, you know, assume the worst and assume that he's not going to be coming back, which means that we're going to need some good defensive line depth to back it up. And hopefully Hall can be that guy. Now, during his 2021 season, I got it pulled up here for me. Uh, he registered four sacks, 11 and a half tackle for loss. 35 tackles, two forced fumbles, a pick, and uh, or, uh, two fumble recoveries and a forced fumble. So, I mean, he did a little bit of everything for you. And he's definitely going to be one of the guys that they're going to be relying on to provide some good depth for the defensive line. You know, this is a very weak secondary all of a sudden as you lost Jack Jones and you lost Chase Lucas and a bunch of other guys. You're going to need the defensive line to really bring up, bring up their A game. So, He's going to be playing more off the edge as a six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound pass rusher, which is which is a good thing because we definitely need more edge rushers than we do need interior linemen. And I think that Dylan Hall could perhaps take that step from junior college to uh, to to power five football. If you talk to any defensive coordinator, I, I think that he'll tell you good corners are often made by good defensive linemen. Because yes. if corners know that they have to cover for a long time, they have to play uh, their their coverage assignment completely different, whether it's man or zone. But if they know that they're only going to have to stay with their receiver for you know three, maybe four seconds, and they won't have to do an entire scramble drill, then they can play much more aggressively. And that's you know the, the hallmark of any great defense is the ability to get pressure with four. If you can get pressure with four, it just opens up a lot of things for for your defense at the back end. Speaking of the secondary, uh, Corey Bethley, a guy who I, I heard some rumblings about and showed some good things. What did you see from him in the spring showcase for the Sun Devil secondary? Uh, first of all, there's, there is very few Sun Devils I am more excited about heading into this year than Corey Bethley. Bethley coming from Hawaii, who was coached by uh, for, former Arizona State coach Todd Graham, and really, that actually ended up being one of the things that drove him to end up coming to Tempe for Arizona State University is the connection that Graham had to the program is Graham uh, really, really boosted up the, the image that Bethley ended up having for the program, which led him to transferring to us. Now, this is a hyper productive player coming coming in from from uh, four years with the Rainbow Warriors. He he registered 
99 tackles last year, picked off five passes, and was just an absolute force all over the field. For what it's worth, he had four sacks. So this is a guy I think is a very versatile defensive back. I don't know if you line him up at corner or you probably play him more at safety where you can allow him to use that range and those instincts he has to really just fly around the field and make the plays that he's definitely capable of making. But I would tell you he probably is the best player in that secondary right now. And this is a guy who is in his first year with the team. So through the through the spring practices, he stood out every single day. And he looked just as good during the spring ball game. And I think that heading into this year, he might be the best secondary player on your team. He might be one of, if not the best players on defense right now with Eric Gentry gone and with Jermaine Lole potentially not coming back. It's pretty much between him and Merlin Robertson, the very longtime established linebacker for the Sun Devils, who are going to be vying for the best player on that defense. I think that Bethley is just an absolute ball magnet. And like I said, there's you're going to be very hard-pressed to find a Sun Devil I'm more excited about heading into 2022 than Corey Bethley. Something, something, X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's. And he certainly sounds like he could fall into into the latter of that category. You mentioned Jermaine Lole and... Uh, yeah, he's got one of the most interesting transfer portal recruitments, frankly, I've ever seen, which we'll tell you about after I mentioned that our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, go Mariners, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information to live betting playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So it is Jermaine Alole, correct? Not, yes. not, not Jermaine Lole. Jermaine Lole. Yes. Uh, I'm sure that I'm not the only person who has mispronounced that name as he has made some headlines here in the portal because he he wants to come back to Arizona State, or or so he says, but then he's also taking offers to four other schools. And then there's the just the four most random schools you could possibly put together. Yes. Texas Tech, Florida, Louisville. No one's heard of Louisville football since Lamar Jackson was there. And then oh, Oregon in the mix. <laughs> just, and then Oregon in the mix fan. as well. Yeah, it's it's such a strange <laughs> – it's it, like it, it's really, really weird. The school list is weird, and the fact that he's you know so actively wanting to be recruited and test the waters and such, what, what's kind of the latest on – you know, his status and whether or not Arizona State fans are, are likely to see him back in Sun Devil colors this year. At this point, I just don't know what to make of it because he's gone on record to say that he is happy to come back to the program. But I mean, right now he, he feels like a prime free agent with all the the visits that he's taking. And it feels like he's going to take his time and he should. Uh, now, something a lot of people know about me is I am pro player. I am definitely one of those, like, go get your bag and do what's best for you because, especially in football, this is a very unforgiving sport. And I think that these guys need to get everything they can while they have that opportunity. So him taking visits like this, it's definitely abnormal and not something we're used to seeing in the college ranks. But as far as what it's going to be looking like for the Sun Devils, I feel like you just kind of need to assume the worst right now and be under the assumption that he's not going to be coming back and 
just hope that the depth that you have is able to step up this year because you're really going to need it. Yeah, and and that's why you mentioned somebody like Dylan Hall. You know, you have to have production from your, your front seven, particularly your front four in, in the trenches. And if you're not going to have low late, now they, they didn't have him a season ago, but when he was on the field, it, he's an absolute, absolute monster uh, up front. Highly productive. He grades really well. Going to be an NFL draft pick. And he's got one. You know, it's it's not unusual for a guy to enter the portal and have several options, right? We saw that right. recently in the Pac-12 with UCLA defensive end transfer Mitchell Agude. He was looking at Oregon. He was looking at Washington. He was looking at Tennessee. He was looking at Miami. He ultimately went down to the Hurricanes, right? And he took uh, visits to all of those places. It's unusual to be that involved with other schools while also heavily putting out there that it's possible you could come back to the school that, that you're currently at. That's what just makes it so so bizarre for me but it, it does kind of feel like he, like he's out the door right but i i wouldn't say that in the same way as other players who are thinking about transferring or who have already entered the portal because not everybody is also you know keeping one foot in and one foot out right because he clearly has one foot there and he, he's exploring all of his options and we'll see i read a report that uh, NIL is probably going to factor into it. So maybe it'll be about which school can offer him the best deal in, in right. that sense. And it's just, it's a fascinating situation to follow. And you know, the other thing is he has one official visit left if he wants, because he's, you know, scheduled four with the ones we mentioned, but you can have up to five. So if he wanted to, and I, I'm surprised that he hasn't looked at either of the California schools because he's a California kid, Antelope Hills, for those of you who have just been sitting on the edge of your seat waiting to know where that is, if you didn't Google it yourself, it is in the state of California. And so if I would have lost it, that, it, it, yeah, it, it's in the it's in the SoCal area. So kind of in USC and UCLA's backyard, both of whom have offensively minded coaches who have struggled on, on defense over the years at times. You know, it's all relative, of course, but Oklahoma didn't win a college football playoff game under Lincoln Riley because they couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't stop it. Well, no one could stop LSU, to be fair, but they couldn't stop Georgia and they couldn't stop Alabama another year. So it's just it's just fascinating that neither of those schools have, have been able to you know get an official visit with them. And I'll be interested to see if one of them works their way uh, into the mix there. Another storyline going forward, and we were talking about the quarterbacks earlier, but you said Emory Jones, clear-cut QB1, and I understand and, and agree with that. And if, you, if you're not watching on YouTube, you see Richie puts a big smile on his face when he says that. He's 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 content with Emory Jones there. Yes, do you think it, there's, to put it lightly. Yeah, do, do you think there's any possibility that someone, that someone else could usurp that job from him? Because Herm Edwards has been very open about it's, you know, an open competition, and they're, you know, not afraid to consider all their options and, and all that sort of stuff. Do you think it's Emory Jones' job no matter what, or do you think that if fall camp rolls around and Tyson starts to look really sharp or one of these other guys, you know, steps up, that they could that they could take the job away from him? I think the safest way to put it is it's Emory Jones' job to lose. So he comes in, he's the most talented, he's the most experienced, he's the best win-now option for, for a coaching staff that needs to win now. However, they are going to roll with whoever they think gives them the best option. And if that is Trenton Bourget, or if that's Paul Tyson, or even like a Dalen McLemore, like whoever they feel is going to give them the most wins and be the best fit for this offense, 
they're going to roll with, not because they're trying to play for the future, but they're trying to play for right now. And that's the reason why I feel like it's Emory Jones's job to lose is because he is absolutely your best option to keep everybody afloat right now. Because with all the allegations that are coming down from the NCAA recruiting stuff, everything that's been going on with the transfer portal, there there are going to be heads that are going to roll if we can't find a way to win. So to me, it's it's Emory Jones. So it's it's got to be his show. And unless he proves otherwise, to me, he's the guy you got to roll with this year. It's strange to talk that way about a team that went eight and five a season ago, whereas mm-hmm. UCLA, which was building up from when Chip Kelly took it over, went eight and four, and they feel great and just gave him an extension after he was, you know, kind of loosely tied to to the Oregon opening and such, right? And right, but I, I think it's very reasonable for Arizona State to have the, those sorts of standards, and I, I agree that that they should because it's just been so middling and the recruiting is way, way, way that there's no reason for Arizona state to be last in the PAC 12 in, in recruiting, but that does agree. Yeah. Lots of factors at play there. Well, his name is Richie Bradshaw. He hosts locked on sun devils. So any of you ASU fans out there, go check them out free and available on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube as well. Won't be the last time that we hear from him here. He will be a recurring figure as he always has been. Richie, great to talk to you, man. Thank you so much, Spencer. Always fun to come on the Locked On Pac-12 and brag about my Sun Devils. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's that's precisely, precisely why we bring you on. Nothing else. No, no other insight. Just, just, bra- just brag about ASU. I appreciate everybody listening or watching. I'll see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.